millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on this episode, Fan of History. Hello, Dan. Hello, Bernie. Here we are, still in the 580s BC. Yes, our fifth episode or our sixth episode, depending on how you count. Yeah, exactly. It's getting busy in the ancient days now, isn't it? Oh, yes. But we have done six episodes for a decade before. All right. I'm super excited for this episode. Me too. I've been think- I've worked on this one a long time ago, so this is kind of in my mind for months. And it's fun too, right? We mentioned that uh, Nebuchadnezzar was probably the most famous person we ever podcasted about. Mm-hmm. But I think he's beat in this episode. This guy is even more famous. Or maybe he isn't. I think he probably is. He's on the same level, at least. He's more famous in Iran. Oh, for sure. For sure. Funny thing, though, I posted on, my face- on our Facebook page about the siege of Jerusalem, and one of my friends, who I would have no idea, said, don't forget about Nebuchadnezzar. And I was like... What? <laughs> you know who that is? So Nebuchadnezzar must be somewhat famous. I think so. I think I learned about him in like Bible school when I was small. Yeah. He's an evil, evil Bible um, in the Bible. And Cyrus isn't. He must. No, Cyrus is his opposite, isn't he? Yeah. And he is in the Bible as well, right? I believe so. Yeah, he is in the Bible. He is the only person in the in the Hebrew Bible, you know, the Old Testament that's was a, a messiah, which means blessed by God. So he, he, Cyrus is a messiah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, not the messiah as in, in Christianity, but he is a messiah. So we're going to talk today because in this, in this, our period right now would be when he was born, not when he was done. So we're not going to talk about his actual actions as an adult. We're going to talk about his birth. He will take over this podcast. This will be the Cyrus podcast in a couple of episodes. Yes, it will. 
and we have a lot of good, we have a lot of good um, sources at least on Cyrus too, and and some of them are just still, are, you know, legend. Of course. And today's going to be some a bit of legend, but very fun, I think. Sounds good. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the birth of Cyrus, and um, most of this came from Herodotus. Uh oh. Yeah, you know who Herodotus is. Yes, the f- the father of history. And also the father of lies. <laughs> yes, and the father of, like, uh, strolling about, uh, making up things. Totally. I read a lot. I've been reading a lot of Herodotus, especially this part. I went through it a bunch of times, and you could listen to it on YouTube. There's, you know, people read it. And, like, there's this, you could tell when I, when I learned that they, he, I mean, people didn't buy the book Herodotus or listen to an audio book like we do today. Somebody mostly read it to them. So it's kind of like a story. A lot of it, it's, it's written like a play, you know? Because it'll go from one book, and then in the next book, it sort of sums it up, you know. And um, so it's really interesting when you read it to think about how this was, like, presented in the ancient days. It was, you know, so it's a story, and it has to have some excitement in it. So they, ba- it's like, maybe it's sort of like historical fiction. It's based on s- some truth, but then, you know, embellished somewhat. And we probably should acknowledge that he might be the first historian ever, so he has nothing to build on. True, true. Oh, he has the oral history, of course, to build on. So that's what he's yes. doing. Right. But writing it down. I, want, I always feel like Herodotus must have been a team, too. There's so much there. I mean, how could he have done all this and then would he go in his room and write all this with a, you know, with a pen, quill pen, something like that? It would have taken him forever. And then, reco- then somebody had to copy all the books over and over and over to get them out there. <laughs> yes, and we don't have the codex yet, so it's all scrolls and right. parchments scrolls. and stuff. Amazing. So you want to hear about the birth of Cyrus? Oh, yes. When we go through this, if I'll, um, I'll tell my part. And then if you, if, when we get to a quote from Herodotus, maybe if you'll do the Herodotus quotes, because you, you're good at those. Okay. What, what kind of voice do you want for Herodotus? Whatever you think, Dan. You're a pro. Okay. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll make up something. Perfect. Uh, I would say it's, make it sound like an ancient Greek with a little bit of a Swedish accent in English. How's that? Although we can do that. But I'll try not to make him sound like an Assyrian king. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> that's my favorite voice to make in this podcast. <laughs> uh, your voice is just fine. So, yeah. So, like I said, this is from Herodotus. And the time is like, you know, they, they say that Cyrus's birth is around 600 BC. So, it's around our time here, 580s, right? So, you know, this is Herodotus. So, around this time, you know, the Medes are, this is after the Medes had crushed the Assyrians. And they have this large empire, yep. and their king at the time is Astyages. Remember him? Oh yes. He had a daughter named Mandane. Sometimes it's 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 spelled like like you would sound it Mandane. Sometimes I hear it pronounced Mandane. So he had a dream about her that water flowed out of her, or or it could be also translated that she peed, and she overflowed his city, his capital city, and all of Asia with the water. Let's just say. It could also have been the most awesome fountain orgasm ever. <laughs> fountain orgasm, amazing. It was. It was that, made possibly. You know, and however Cyrus had to become into the world, it was very magical, I'm sure. So, so, so Asiagis goes to his wise men. They, those are the, mag, the magi. And these are the same magi from the Jesus story. Those are, those are the magi come from the Medes. They were originally a tribe of the Medes. They became in the Median nation. We went. We talked about them in the 650s. Yep. 
So we're like about three generations from that time. So now it's a big median empire. So basically they told him that Mandane would have something to do with him losing his kingdom. So instead of marrying her to a Mede, he married her, he had her married to a Persian named uh, Cambyses. And the, the Persians were vassals of the Medes at this time. If you remember, the Persians had moved into Elam recently um, because the Assyrians destroyed them. And this Cambyses was supposedly of, of quiet temper. So Astyages figured he wouldn't cause him any trouble. And he was, I've heard it pronounced Cambyses. Cambyses. Is that what did I say? Cambyses? Yeah. I would say Cambyses. So let's say Cambyses. It's probably because I listened to American historians that said Cambyses. And I also thought I said Cambyses, so my mind is not going with my voice. So I believe it is Cambyses. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And, and the historical records show Cambyses is the king of Anshan in Persia, because we'll, we'll get into that later, but the, when we talk really about Cyrus and all, but there could probably was like not a Persia per se, but there was two, two main cities in Persia, and, and Cambyses was the king of Anshan. So he married him to, he's a quiet temper, and he married him to the king of, of Anshan. Then, after that, Asiagas had another dream in the first year that, that they were married, And in this one, a vine grew out from her, from her, you know, loins. And the, the vines covered all of Asia. And his dream interpreters again told him that it meant that his daughter's child would rule in his place. So that's some foreshadowing coming up for you. So, he had, so get, of course, what does he do? That, that happens in all these stories. He had his daughter who was with the child. And he had her brought back and kept under guard until she bore the child so that he could kill it. That seems unreasonable because he would probably have a good couple of years of reign left before this child could rule. Exactly right. right? It's his grandchild. A hundred percent. This is why we're Herodotus's. And, 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 and Herodotus, I believe, just sort of wants to make Asiagis look like the evil, evil king, you know? Of course. He's making a good story out of it. It is totally unreasonable. And what's funny is is um, there's a few legendary stories about 
about Cyrus's upbringing, and there's one. It's from Xenophon. It's a massive book, and it's it's the opposite. Where like Asiagus loves 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 his son Cyrus, his grandson. So and Asiagus is a wise king, and so is Cambyses. Cambyses. He's not a he's not a um, man of gentle temper. He's a wise man. So Cyrus was a good um, character for ancient writers. So this particular Astyages, he's kind of dumb. He wants to kill his only grandson, right? So lo and behold, Cyrus is born, and the happy grandpa, he calls for his most trusted and faithful servant, the general Harpagus. And then he tells him, and Herodotus says... Okay, so this is uh, Astyages' voice, so he can sound like an Assyrian king. Okay, yeah, he's a Mede. Do not mishandle this command of mine, Harpagus. Nor forsake me for the service of others, lest hereafter it be worse for yourself. Take the boy whom Mandane has borne, and carry him to your house, and kill him, and then bury him in what manner you yourself will. Uh, Now Harpagus' voice. King, Harpagus answered, never yet have you seen me do aught unpleasing to you, and I will ever be careful not to offend against you. But if it is your will that this should be so done, then it behooves that for my part I render you fitting service. Now there's some foreshadowing for you, right? It's going to be a doozy, let me tell you. And you guys know the story. (laughs) Oh, boy. And and then, like, this is a common thread, though, in Greek stories. Remember we had the ship captain? He was supposed to throw the guy, the guy's daughter. He was supposed to drown her because she was a fornicator. And, um... Remember we had that baby that was supposed to be killed in Greece and then a bunch of guys. Remember there was like 10 guys and then the baby kept smiling at them and so they couldn't kill him. Well, this is all Sargon the Great story. It's the Sargon the Great story and Moses. Yep. And I, right. There's probably one before him, before they had writing. It's probably been a story forever. All those babies yeah. in baskets. When it actually happened, perhaps. Maybe one baby ever was born and was found in a basket. I wonder when baskets were uh, invented. A long time ago, probably 10,000 B.C. The three, the three Stooges were left at a basket at an orphanage, too, in one of the movies. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, of course, we can't forget uh, Superman. Yeah, another one. So heroes are often born in baskets. I mean, a manger was kind of, when, I mean, in, in, the, in our manger sets, that kind of looks like a basket, too. Jesus was born in. So, in this tradition, Harpagus, he goes home weeping to his wife about the horrible task he's to be given. He says he won't do it, for one, because, I mean, like, come on, kill a baby, right? But also, he says, and like you mentioned before, Asiagas has no male heirs, and he's so old, if he dies, there will be a power struggle, and uh, Harpagus will no doubt be having trouble keeping his head if he's the one that murdered the actual heir. So... I just think it's, you know, again, like I said before, it's, Her- it's Herodotus making Asiagis out to be like the mad king. And, and so um, Asiagis is okay with doing it. He's like, well, you know, I guess I'll have to, um, have to do what he tells me, but I don't want to be the actual murderer, be the one so that when Asiagis is gone, I'll have someone else do it. So he has one of Asiagis' cowherds, which is funny because it sounds like coward, but cowherd, like a shepherd, but he, instead of sheep, he, you know, herds cows. And his name is Mitridates. Mitridates. He has him do it. And just um, take it away, Dan. What does Herodotus say? Harpagus says. Harpagus said, Astyages, 
bids you take this child and lay it in the most desolate part of the mountains, that it may thus perish as soon as may be. And he bids me say that if you kill not the child, but in any way save it alive, you shall die a terrible death. <laughs> and it is I who am ordered to see it exposed. Right. He's killing it anyway by giving it to the cowherd. But, and this cowherd is basically... He can, he can always say. lie about what he said to the cowherd. Yeah, he could. Uh, we'll see what happens. We will. I'm is, uh, interested in the name Mitridates. That's uh, quite the guy in in a couple of hundred years. Yeah, it right. It will be a we, big enemy of Rome. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if that had something... Well, I mean, at uh, Herodotus' time, he wouldn't have been that... He wasn't born yet, that Mithridates. Well, that's uh, 400 years, 500 years. Something along those left. lines. Yeah. But it must mean something. But then the thing is, the cowherd's wife's... This is great, because the cowherd's wife's name is Spax. And in Median, that means dog. So bitch, basically. Oh, a bitch, yeah. But, you know, like, that's another theme, right? And, like, the you know, Remus and... Ramus, Romulus and Remus are raised, you know, by a by a dog. So, here we go. Right, more foreshadowing. So, in a surprise, surprise, Spax, the Spax, who's the cowherd's um, wife, she's also pregnant and is just about to give birth when when the cowherd was called off to do his dirty deed. So, Harpagus, so Mithridates, right, the cowherd, he leaves his wife who's pregnant and he, because Harpagus calls him. He has no idea what he has to go and do. So he calls him and then he comes back after a couple of days with this baby <laughs> all decked out in gold and he tells her um, what he's been ordered to do under this horrible punishment of death. When Spax sees the child, how fine and fair it is, she weeps and weeps. She grabs his ankles and she cries, please, please, husband, do not do this terrible deed. Right? This is terrible. You can't do this. And he tells her, but he tells her there, that there's going to be spies checking up on him. And if he doesn't, he's going to be, mur- you know, killed in such a bad way. So she says, the Spacks, the wife, she says, okay, since I can't change your mind. By the way, I forgot to mention when you came back. Remember I was pregnant? <laughs> well, guess it didn't work out so good. So uh, I have a dead baby right here. You can, you could use this one instead. We, you know, and it works out perfectly. God's, we're so lucky. We'll just, our baby will get a great uh, funeral and we could just expose our dead baby to the animals. What do you think of that? And he's like, wow, you're a smart wife. That's a great idea. <laughs> that just cracks me up, Dan. Because I'm thinking like, how soon did the wife, did the baby die? Is it like covered in flies? Like there's this dead baby. And she, he comes home and the first thing she sa- doesn't say is, our baby died. <laughs> it's like. Oh my God, we gotta save this baby. Well, I, I just did an episode for my upcoming Swedish history podcast about the death in the Victorian era. Okay. And uh, infancy fatality was very high then. And they didn't really treat children like children yeah. until they were like five. And I suppose it's the same here. So losing a child is l- less. Yeah. Not as bad as we would think of it today. Exactly. I guess so. It's kind of like on that mighty, we're going to bring up Mighty Python, the meaning of life, when she's like, oh, I had another baby. Could you take care of that, dear? <laughs> <laughs> so so then what happens, obviously, is that it's so what, what obviously happens is then they keep the, she's, um, they raise the baby, Cyrus, instead. So when Harpagus sends back one of his eunuchs, 
right, to check on him. They give him the dead baby, the other dead baby. This is another thing. Like, you left the baby out in the field, right, with, like, wolves and birds and everything and th- for three days or whatever. And you're like, here's your dead baby back. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. But, you know, that's like a plot hole. I mean, I shouldn't be putting plot holes in Herodotus, I guess. That's uh, an easy exercise. Yeah, right. So it's fun. It's a fun story. So maybe it happened that way. Maybe it didn't. But there's more. So fast forward 10 years, and Cyrus is, a ten, is 10 years old, and he's playing a game in the village. Remember, he, now he just thinks he's the son of a cowherd. So he plays it in the village, and they play a game where um, one of the boys gets to be the king. And Cyrus, of course, he's and his name isn't Cyrus in these days. His name and Herodotus says that too. He says, you know, his name is something else. He doesn't say what it is, but he says not Cyrus. So this boy, Cyrus, is chosen to be king and the play king. And all the kids listen to him except this one kid who's the son of a very important nobleman in real life. So Cyrus has has the other boys grab him and he has him whipped because he wasn't, you know, playing properly. So this little shit, he goes crying off to his father, who tells the king, Astyages, that his son was whipped by a lowly cowherd son. How can this be an issue for the king of the Medes? Right, right. Uh, what, what kind of crap does he have to handle? I mean, seriously, right? So the children have been play fighting, or they have been fighting in the playground. You have to deal with this, oh, king of the Medes. <laughs> I know. A hundred thousand percent. I literally wrote down, I guess he has nothing else to do. Hysterical. But because he actually acts on this. Asiagas takes action here. Yeah, he does. He summons the cowherd and the son and Cyrus. And then um, when they were there, Herodotus says, When they were both present, Asiagas said, fixing his eyes on Cyrus, Is it you then, the son of such a father, who have dared to deal so despitefully? Would a son of the greatest of my courtiers? Nay, master, answered Cyrus. What I did to him, I did with justice. The boys of the village, of whom he was one, chose me in their play to be their king, for they thought me the fittest to rule. The others, boy, then did as I bid them, but this one was disobedient and cared nothing for me till he got his deserts. So now, if I deserve punishment for this, here, I am I am here to take it. Wow. Well, that's a, something for a boy, right? <clears throat> yeah. So because of this, Asiagis re- recognized the boy as the baby. He ordered killed because of his kingly nature. So <laughs> he realized, oh, no. So he got the cow herd. He roughed him up a little bit and got him to spill the beans and tell him what happened. That's some great perception on Asiagis' part. Yep, Absolutely. <laughs> but there can't be a child this kingly. It must be the child I ordered killed 10 years ago. It must be. He still remembers all that, too. And remember, he was sick 10 years ago, too. He was old 10 years ago. Now he's even older. Yeah, that mind is still sharp. Sharp as hell. As a tack, as they say. So he, t- he, he roughed the cowherd up. The cowherd told him all the truth. And he said to the cowherd, you could go, cowherd. You're, you're all right. That's surprising. I know. You know, it's a good part of the story. That's not what Ashurbanipal would have done. Probably not. Probably not. But the cowherd, he does say in the 
that the cowherd says to him, you know, what was I to do? Harpagus told me to do it. He would kill me, yada, yada. I'm sorry, you know, but I was in a spot. I'm really just a lowly cowherd, all that kind of stuff. So he was like, it's okay, cowherd, you could go. But he was mad at Harpagus. He was real mad at Harpagus. And I mean, he was okay with Harpagus killing the baby. He just didn't want to do it himself. So it was the cowherd that really screwed up the plan, but... Anyway, the king, so the king summons Harpagus, who says, oh, yeah, I gave, the, gave it to the coward to do it, so I wouldn't be a murderer personally. And he showed us the dead body, so I figured that, you know, it was all good. And then Asiagis hit his anger and said, oh, yeah, well, I'm pretty, I'm actually glad that the boy is alive. And he said to Harpagus, I was greatly afflicted by what had been done to this boy, and it weighed heavily on me that I was estranged from my daughter, now, therefore, in this lucky turn of fortune, send your own son to the boy who's newly come, and come hither to dine with me, for I am about to make sacrifice for the safety of my grandson to the gods to whom this honor is due. Hmm. Okay. So then, Harpagus' son, who's only about 13 years old, so he came to the early like he was supposed to, and then Asiagis cut his throat... Had his flesh roasted and boiled. Okay. Yep. So when Harpagus and the others sat down for dinner, I think you probably know where this is going to go. Uh-oh. Yep. Everyone was served served um, sheep's meat except Harpagus, who was served his only son. Quote from Herodotus. And when Harpagus seemed to have eaten his fill, Asiagus asked him, are you pleased with your meal, Harpagus? <laughs> Exceedingly well pleased, Harpagus answered. <laughs> and then Asiagis brings out a basket with the boy's head, hands, and feet in it. And of course, of course, Harpagus kept his cool, and he said, Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Astyagas asked him, Know you what beast's flesh you have eaten? Yep, he said. I know, and all that the king does is pleasing to me. And so then Harpagus took the basket and he just went home. I went, could you imagine when he gets home? Uh, Honey, I'm home. I, I have a, something in this basket. Maybe you can cook it. <laughs> no, it was delicious. You already ate it. Oh, my God, that's nasty. <laughs> nasty, nasty. Well, there is the Assyrian influence on Asiagas. Yeah, for sure. Asiagas roasted up that other guy. No, no, Asiagas didn't. Remember the the meat? The Scythians roasted up one of his guys. Oh, we just talked about that. Yeah, because he they the the Assyrians. I'm sorry, the Scythians. Remember they did something and then they they were hunting and then they took the one noble boy and they roasted him up. And then they served him and then they they hightailed out of town and that's how they ended up having the battle of the. Of the uh, eclipse. Yeah. So uh, lots of cannibalism at this time. 
Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's Herodotus is the cannibal. Like Herodotus is making these like Eastern people look like bar, you know, really barbaric is basically what's happening. Of course. So then Asiagis calls in the Magi and he's like, well, so hey, Cyrus is alive. And they say, oh, that's what it meant. He was a play king. That's the dream meant. And Asiagis is like, oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. And so then the Magi make this comment about not wanting to be slaves of the Persians, people who are different blood. And then the matter is settled. Herodotus, he talks a lot about people being the slaves, like the Greeks being the slaves of the Persians, the Medes being the slaves of the Persians, this kind of thing. So, of course, he lets Cyrus live. Cyrus goes back to live with his real parents. And on the way home, he's told the true story of his life. When he gets back, uh, he speaks to his real parents. He tells them that the cowherd and his wife were very, very nice to him. And the last line from Herodotus that we have here is... Hearing this name, his parents said about the story that Cyrus, when exposed, was suckled by a bitch thinking thereby to make the story of his savings seem the more marvelous to the Persians. Yeah. Oh, just like Romulus and Remus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I wonder when that story even came out. Because, I mean, we know that's supposed to be 750, but then maybe the story came out later. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't think any. I know the story was extremely old when uh, Augustus ordered the, the real story to be written. And I'm sure he knew about Herodotus. But, I mean, that's just a small part of it. It wasn't really a... Yeah. So, it must have been a thing. I was thinking maybe it'd be a funny Disney movie where Cyrus has to get, you know, acclimated to his new family. He was, you know, 10 years he lived as a cowherd, and now he's Cyrus. Yeah, he has to learn all the uh, court stuff. You know, I just thought of maybe that's something like why they... I mean, obviously, Cyrus, he, you know, he wasn't... This story is a story, but... I mean, this, uh, if he was raised as a commoner for 10 years, you know, then that's why maybe he was such a more of a gentle king. Hmm. Maybe. More pragmatic, we should say. Yeah, this all seems like uh, stuff made up the, by the Persians to motivate why Cyrus should rule. I think so. And I think, <clears throat> if I'm not mistaken, even Herodotus says he had like two or three other stories of the origin of Cyrus, but he felt that this one was the most... Uh, plausible. <laughs> so the other ones, maybe. Maybe he was, you know, maybe they did say he was suckled by a bitch and that kind of thing. Yeah, so we spent this whole episode talking about legends, but it was necessary because this guy will be so super important in our story. Exactly. And this is a really a big story. I mean, you know, I know it was written by Herodotus later, but it is, you know, it is the, with a founding myth of, of Cyrus the Great, so... Yeah, and remember that Nebuchadnezzar is just continuing the Assyrian way. The difference between the Neo-Babylonian Empire and the Assyrian Empire is academic. And yeah. to their enemies, they seem like the same thing. Right. But Cyrus will do something entirely new that has not been done before. It wasn't done by Sargon the Great, and it wasn't done by any empire builder before this. Yeah, I don't think any, not that I could recall. No, Cyrus will uh, implement new tactics for building empire, which will prove extremely efficient. It totally. I mean, enor- I mean, we're, we're, we're going to get to it, of course, and it's coming. I mean, we've had this Assyrian Empire for hundreds of years, and it's not, it's not nearly the size of this, what the Persian Empire would be. Now, the Persian Empire does take a lot of the Assyrian infrastructure that they had, but they just they they do it in a lot more gentle way, more 
diplomatic and pragmatic, I would say. Yeah, more efficient, basically. Oh, yeah, totally. And they will be around until an even greater conqueror comes along to destroy yeah. the Persians. But that's in like 300 episodes. And if we get to that, that will be our most famous person. There is a podcast about that person with like 100 episodes. I know. Well, we're just going to, we're going to go over him in two episodes. We're going to have one, because he's in a half a decade and the other half the other decade. There was a guy called Alexander who did some stuff. Yeah, he did. Next. Yeah. (laughs) But actually, we're going to get a couple other famous people. We're going to end this this episode here, but we're going to have a couple of famous people coming up. Their births too, because uh, Confucius is born around our time now. And so's um, possibly Lao Tzu, who's Confucius, obviously Confucianism, and Lao Tzu is the, you know, mythical founder of Taoism, T-A-O-I-S-M. So they're born in the late 500s, well, around there. And then, of course, we have Siddhartha Gautama. Correct. Who is? Most commonly known as the Buddha. Yeah. Well, there's some famous-ass people coming, too. Yeah. All right. Well, that's Cyrus, right, Dan? That's Cyrus' yeah. legendary bird. We got a lot, like you said, a lot coming up on Cyrus. For sure. Yeah, so send us some money on Patreon. Yeah, that would be nice. Patreon.com slash fan of history. Facebook page, fan of history. Keep some, uh, I try to keep that up, you know, um, updated. Also, um, you know, send me messages on there. Make comments. We'd appreciate that. Tell your friends about fan of history. If you have to take a test on Cyrus, you could use this. <laughs> you would probably get a good grade. <laughs> Obviously. So next time we'll be talking about China. Yeah, we're going to talk about China, ancient China in the 580s. So stay tuned for that coming up in two weeks. Or four. Or so. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fan of history. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time.